0: So 1 Samuel chapter 15. Um, we're going we're gonna to be here through um, the duration of the message. So let's start in verse 1. Then Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you as king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Just to give a little bit of background, Samuel. Uh, is a prophet Samuel is the prophet who called forth Saul to be the first king of Israel so now Saul uh, Samuel is prophesying over Saul again listen to the words of the Lord thus says the Lord of hosts I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel how he set himself up against him on the way while he was coming up from Egypt now go and strike Amalek and utterly destroy all that he has do not spare him but put to death both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. At this point, it's okay to acknowledge, man, that's a harsh decree. That is a harsh command. So why did God command such utter destruction? The Amalekites were a band of guerrilla terrorists. They lived by attacking other nations and carrying off their wealth, and their families. So the Amalekites didn't just, they weren't just thieves. They were destroyers of future. By, by stealing wealth, by stealing their families, it, it annihilated people. It, it robbed them of the opportunity to have a future. They were the first to attack the Israelites as they entered the promised land, and they continued to raid Israelite camps at every opportunity. God knew that the Israelites could never live a peaceful life as long as the Amalekites existed. He also knew that their corrupt, idolatrous, religious practice threatened Israel's relationship with him. So the only way to protect Israel's bodies, souls, was to lay waste, to utterly destroy the people of this warlike nation to utterly destroy the people and their possessions and their cattle and their idols and everything. The message, well, it wasn't just a message that God was sending. It was a form of deliverance, continued deliverance to the children of Israel. God's instructions to Saul through Samuel could not have been clearer. Clearer. He wanted the Amalekites completely annihilated. And he gave three repetitive commands to prevent confusion. He said, kill Amalek, destroy everything they have, don't spare any of them, including Amalek, and put them to death, including Amalek. I mean, he's making it very clear. And in case that wasn't enough detail, God further specified what else he wanted destroyed. Man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Is there any doubt what God told Saul to do? Any doubt? Okay, Lord, but um, what about ox? No, 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 no. I said man and woman and child and infant and ox and sheep so no ox is covered okay okay but sheep are okay then no no Saul where are you missing this where are are you failing to connect on this when God repeats something three and four times usually it means number one we're pretty dense and so we need it repeated three and four times um, and I fit into that category But it also means that it's a pretty important message that he's making, and he doesn't want us to miss it. God made it very clear to Saul what he wanted him to do. God makes it very clear to us what he wants us to do. In doing much of God's will, the task is usually pretty clear. It's usually pretty easy to understand. But let's not mistake that for being easy to accomplish. Easy to do. The things that the Lord calls us to are rarely easy. They're, they're rarely effortless. Oh, I thought you meant... Any of your kids do that? Oh, I thought you meant... I wasn't supposed to not go outside and play oh man oh i'm sorry dad i totally missed that i thought you meant i wasn't supposed to not eat candy i'm that's that's, that's not me dad i thought i misunderstood it <laughs> i don't know you guys we can't play we can't play dumb with with god we can't play dumb with him he knows our hearts he knows our thoughts he knows our minds we can't feign ignorance when it comes to having heard from god Obedience to a holy God is rarely easy. God's request was messy. It was time-consuming. And it certainly was not a popular message. Certainly would not have been popular among the people. But none of these difficulties should have prevented Saul's absolute obedience to God. Absolute obedience to him. God's instructions to Saul left no room for misunderstanding. We continue in verse 4. Then Saul summoned the people and numbered them in Telim, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. Saul came to the city of Amalek and put an ambush in the valley. Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, go down from among the Amalekites so that I do not destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the sons of Israel when they came up from Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. Question. Did God tell Saul to annihilate the Kenites? No. No, he did not. The Kenites had been kind to Israel when they came up from Egypt. Plus, if Saul killed the Kenites, then who would the Barbieites have been there to play with so it it's it was there, it was there, It couldn't be avoided. You know it, and you know you would have done the same thing <laughs> Holy Spirit, please come back that's that's uh that's all me, so Holy Spirit, come on, well my point is this. Paul chose wisely and in not adding to the commands of God. Paul chose wisely in not adding to the commands of God. God gave commands. We're not to add to the word of God, we're not to take away from it. There's two different types of sins sins of omission, sins of commission. Sins of commission are the are the sins, the things we do that we're not supposed to do. We commit them. Sins of commission. Sins of omission, omit the things that we're called to do that we fail to do. Both are sin. So Paul, or I'm sorry, Saul succeeded in not adding to the word of God, but let's see how he does in not taking away from it. Verse seven. So Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havila, as you go to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He captured Agag the king of the Amalekites alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. Okay, so so far so good. By most people's measurements so far, you know, this is success. Saul's victory over the Amalekites was triumphant. The battle was won. The king king was captured and Israel's armies suffered no casualties. Complete success, right? Not yet. Not yet because there's a couple of buts in the story. Verse 9, but Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good and were, what? Not willing. And were not willing to destroy them utterly. But everything worthless and despised, that they utterly destroyed. Yeah, I could stop right here. I could change message completely and talk about our will versus God's will. What we're willing to do and what we're not willing to do. But this message is about obedience. Paul spared the life of Agag, the king of the Amalekites. Paul spared the lives of the best of the livestock. Saul refused to destroy the things that he found valuable. Saul failed to complete the task. Saul failed to obey God. Friends, there's a word for partial obedience. Do you know what it is? There's a word for partial obedience. What's that word? Disobedience. The word for partial obedience is disobedience. Obedience is obedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. We could stop right here and examine the heart of Saul and his men just by what they chose to do and what they chose not to do. By what they were willing to do and what they weren't willing to do. They imposed their will instead of obeying God's will. I want to deviate a little sidetrack just a little bit. What Saul did in choosing to save the Kenites, it was good, it was godly. But friends, there is a trap that awaits us anytime we are mistaken and we think we're the Savior. Anytime we think we're the ones responsible for someone's safety, provision, security, whatever. We are not the Savior. It feels good to save somebody. Otherwise, we wouldn't have jobs. We wouldn't have people in the military. We wouldn't have firemen. We wouldn't have people in, you know, policemen, nurses, doctors, teachers. It feels good, but we are not the Savior. That's my sidetrack. Saul refused to obey. Saul refused to lead others to obey. Verse 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, so this this is the Lord speaking to Samuel, I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not carried out my commands. And Samuel was distressed and cried out to the Lord all night. I regret that I have made Saul the king for he has turned back from me and has not carried out my commands. Saul's disobedience made God regretful that he chose him as king. Wow! Friends, an elder or a pastor leads God's people. Leads God's people. And I don't ever want God to regret having given me that position as lead pastor to lead this church because of what I failed to do or what I failed to not do. Because of disobedience. Because of partial obedience. Guys, this isn't about religion. Okay? This isn't about religion. This isn't about us being so obedient that we bring about God's pleasure. No, this is about obedience to the one we love, and so all we desire is to please him. See, religion states you've got to be obedient to earn his favor, to earn your way into his good standing. Obedience out of love says, no, I want to please, I want to do what's right. I trust him. If he says, go, I'm going. If he says, do what I'm doing. Verse 12. Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul. And it was told Samuel saying, Saul came to Carmel and behold, he set up a monument for himself. Hmm. He set up a monument for who? So God just carried him triumphantly through this battle. Not a a, troop was lost. Complete victory by most counts. Save for the disobedience, huh? And he sets up a monument for himself. Then turned and proceeded on down to Gilgal. Samuel came to Saul. And Saul, Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have carried out the command of the Lord. Holy cow. Are you kidding me? I love Sammy's response, though. Absolutely love it. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? Love it. And this shows that sarcasm has its place. There are times that it's perfectly valid to be sarcastic. You know, not often, but every now and then, sarcasm fits. Man, are you kidding me? Hey, Samuel, I did it! Boom! Yay for me, monument on the hill. I'm the man. King Saul, I did it. What are the seeking sheep doing? Because they're supposed to be dead. The ox, supposed to be dead. Verse 15, Saul said, So this is in response to Samuel saying, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the loin of the oxen which I hear? Verse 15, Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites. Who brought them from the Amalekites? They. For the people spared the best of the sheep and oxen to do what? To sacrifice to the Lord, who's God? Who's God? To the Lord, your God. But the rest, but the rest we have utterly destroyed. The crappy stuff, the stuff we didn't want. The the yards, the community yard sale stuff that we destroyed. This is Israel's first king's folks. This is the one the people clamored for and begged for. We want a king. And God wouldn't enough. Unbelievable. They have brought them. Way to be a leader, Saul. Way to just throw your team under the bus. They brought them. Friends, we must be responsible to God for our obedience to carrying out His call. We must be accountable to God and to one another for being obedient to carry out His commands. To sacrifice to the Lord your God. To sacrifice to the Lord your God. Church, Jesus has to be our God. Our God. My God. No one else's. If He's only your God. Kids, if He's only your parents' God... If he's only your parents' God, he has no God at all. If he's only a figurehead that you acknowledge in a religious ritual, he is not God at all. Not in your life, he is not Lord. He is only Lord when he is your God, when he is your Lord, when you have yielded to him and say, "Have your way." I am all in. I love what Mia said. I'm all in. Wreck me, Lord. Nothing else will satisfy me. Wreck me, Lord. You're the only thing that will satisfy me. I'm debating. I have like three stopping points. It's a long message. Uh, Partial obedience. Partial obedience. Partial obedience. Let's call it what it is disobedience. We can't serve him halfway. You guys, this isn't legalism I'm talking about, this is relationship. All in. The very word Lord. It communicates that he's the boss, that he gets his way. In your life, he gets his way. And you know what? For the moments he doesn't get his way, you know what we have? Man, we got the brilliant gift of repentance. Lord, I, I repent. I, I know what you say. and, uh, Lord, I, I repent, Lord. I agree with you. Uh, I trust you. So I want to do want to do what you say. So Lord, I just repent of that. It's brilliant. What a brilliant gift. Friends, there is blessing in being obedient to the Lord. The next passage of Scripture I have is out of Genesis 22, and I'll cover it next week. And it speaks of the story of Abraham and he and Sarah's only son, Isaac. And the Lord commanding him to sacrifice him—a test. The Bible says it was a test. But Abraham was willing. If we pulled up that passage, they were not willing to destroy the good stuff. Abraham was willing to destroy the best, the most treasured, the most valued of his stuff—his future. He was willing to give Lord you've said that this from this son that we waited for you would give me the fulfillment of all your promises and now you're you're asking for me to give him back to you to take his life Abraham was willing Abraham was obedient we'll cover that next week it's an incredible incredible encouraging story friends we've got to be willing to give God the good stuff we've got to be willing to give God our best we've got to be willing to give him all 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 all, all. hey you said you'd give me your all what about that what about that what about this mark You haven't given me this. Maybe this is sin. Maybe this is fear. Maybe this is hurt. Maybe this is disobedience, unwillingness. Am I willing to give him everything? Am I willing to give him everything? Holding nothing back from him. Partial obedience is what? Friends, that is disobedience. And that is not legalism. See, we've bought into this lie of the enemy of legalism. Said, oh, if we, if you rob us in any way of our freedom, you know, freedom to sin, that's legalism. You're being legalistic, dude. No, freedom is found in Jesus Christ. Because he's the one who took the chains off my life and took the sin. He broke the curse of sin in our lives and set us free. Brother, that is not legalism. That is freedom. Dude, We obey God because we what? Because we love Him. Because we trust Him. Let's not confuse obedience for legalism. A legalistic Christian is one who puts check marks in the boxes of Christian obedience to gain a sense of completion or a sense of accomplishment. An obedient Christian may look similar from the outside, But on the inside, an obedient Christian's motivation is gratefulness. It is thankfulness. It is love. Because of our liberty in Christ, we have wonderful freedom. But that freedom does not permit us to cut corners in our relationship with God, friends. It doesn't. That freedom does not give us the liberty to hold back sin in our life and say, I'm, I'm reserving this for me. And we are mistaken if we assume that obedience to God comes with little or no effort. It takes effort, my friends. It is work. Oftentimes it's difficult. Very difficult. But what's God worth? He's worth all of our lives. He's worthy. He's worthy. A few questions as we close here. What needs to change in our lives to enable us to obey God completely without compromise? What needs to change in our lives to enable us to obey Him completely without compromise? if we are honest in asking that of the Holy Spirit, He will tell us. And let's not be afraid of being obedient. I don't want to know the answer because then I'll be forced to do it. Friends, you'll be free. Two, does the possibility of persecution prevent us from being a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? The possibility of persecution. You guys, obedience is not a fun message. As a matter of fact, there's not, many, there's not many pastors willing to get up and preach it because it's not fun. It's, you're not going to feel good. It's not going to increase the tithes and offerings. It's not going to increase membership. So just stay away from it. But obedience is a biblical truth that sets us free. And I would much rather be obedient to my father and bringing this message, then stay silent for fear of persecution. Friends, we should be much more willing to be vocal, to be willing to share, and to include and to reach out and to say, "All right, Lord, use me. It scares me to death, but Lord, I want to be used. To be give to the Lord of our lives." of our time, of our resources, of our money? Do we give to the Lord cheerfully and sacrificially or do we give out of obligation and what's left over? Either we trust Him with our finances or we don't, guys. Either we trust Him with our time or we don't. Either we trust Him when we're weary and we trust Him to strengthen us or we don't. Do we tell others about our faith in Jesus Christ or do we merely behave ethically Lord I know you told me to go into all the world and to make disciples of all nations Lord I know you told me to be a light in a dark place Lord I know you told me to go and I know you sent me but isn't it enough that I just am morally upright you know what that's called partial obedience which is called disobedience. It's not enough. It's not enough to be morally upright. It is not enough to be morally ethical when we have been called and commissioned and sent forth to do and to be and to go. It is disobedience. Oh, you had to go there. all oh, man. When... Yes. Yes. By putting our comfort level and our... our whatever the head of god when he's called us to go it is disobedience friends now here's the beauty and this is why man, i'm so thankful for last weekend so thankful for that time with uh with steve and terry wasn't that awesome see i don't gotta be you and you don't gotta be me you just gotta be you and you just gotta go you don't gotta do it like me i don't gotta do it like you i don't gotta do it like anyone else i don't have to do it like any other pastor in town i just gotta be me and I got lots of flaws and my flesh is bigger than I wish it was. And I'm, not, I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about, you know, the flesh having its way. Man, some of you guys are just mean. <laughs> I just got to be me. I just got to go and I just got to yield to God and I got to trust Him. So this message... It's meant to strengthen the body in a different way than the encouragement that we did earlier with Mia. This message is meant to strengthen the body through sharpening. Through challenging. Doesn't feel good, but it brings about a smooth, polished, sharp result. This message is meant to bring about repentance. I love repentance, man. Every time I talk about repentance, you're going to hear me say, "I love repentance. I love repentance," because when we blow it, that means I get to instead of hiding from God, I get to embrace Him and go, "You know, I'm sorry, but more than that, I agree with you. I'm sorry I didn't agree with you. I'm sorry I didn't do what you wanted, but I'm not, I don't have to hide from God. So that's, isn't that beautiful?" repentance we don't have to hide from god we can run to him and go i agree with you i believe you i trust you i just didn't do it but that is that's not my heart lord you know my heart i believe you i trust you i'm gonna do it strengthen me to do it lord that's what this message is for so friends let's just be obedient to god obedient to what He's asking us to do. obedient to what the Holy Spirit is leading us into, what He's guiding us into. Let's trust Him to strengthen us because I'm not telling you it's going to be easy. It's not. I will be honest with you. It's going to be hard. Serving Him and walking in Him at times is very difficult. But the amazing thing is, even in the difficulty, we get to have joy. We get to walk in faith. We get to... I can't wait to see how you're going to turn the situation. So I give you thanks now. Because we we know him. Let's Let's be obedient. Amen? Amen, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word that brings life. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit that guides us into the truth of that word and points us to Jesus Christ and reminds us of how good he is. Lord Jesus, you are so good. You are so good. We trust you. We trust you. Friends, just tell him that right now. I trust you. I trust you in my life. I trust you in my marriage. Lord, I trust you with my family. Lord, I trust you for my baby. Lord, I trust you in my finances. Lord, I trust you in the face of sickness. Lord, I trust you in this difficult situation. Lord, I trust you in the challenge. Lord, I trust you in my work. Lord, I trust you in my dreams for my future. Lord, we trust you. And because we trust you, Lord, because we love you. It makes it easy to obey you because we know you'll strengthen us for the task you've called us to do. You'll strengthen our marriages, our families, our homes, our bodies, our minds. Lord, right now, I just pray for every person that's here right now, Lord. Every individual, every marriage, every family, every child. Lord, and I just proclaim your strengthening in Jesus' name, Lord. We know who you are. So, Lord, I say strengthen these people, Lord God. Strengthen us, Lord. Encourage us, Lord. Impassion us, Lord. Lord, I ask you to pour out every aspect of your nature upon us. For you are good. There is no bad in you. You are nothing but good. So pour out your goodness, Lord, your presence. Lord, we need your presence, Lord God. Lord, we desire your presence. Lord, we don't want to walk a step outside of your presence. We'll stop. Lord, we will stop. If you're not going ahead of us, we're stopping, Lord. because where you go, we will follow. In Jesus' name, amen. If we could keep our eyes closed for just one moment. But guys, please stay locked into me. If your mind has drifted, get it back and please stay locked in to what I'm saying. If you're here to, tonight and you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ for your life, you've never asked him to be Lord and Savior of your life, but you believe, you believe in him, you know he's real. You just know in your heart of hearts that He is real and that He loves you and that He is good and that He's got a plan for you and you want to give your life to Him. As crazy as it sounds, you want to give your life to Him because you trust that His plans for you are better than any plan you could come up with yourself and you want to walk with Him if that's you and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that He is alive, that He is real and you want to say yes to His plan today. I just want you to raise your hands, to lock eyes with me if you've never made that decision, but you want to today. Just lock eyes with me. Is there anybody? Is there anyone else? Anyone else? Just... Can't wait to say yes, Lord, come into my life. I give it to you. Lord, you are so good, and I thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, Lord. We look to you, Lord. You're our problem solver, you're our solution. You're the you're the Lord, you're the one who has all the answers, and you're the answer. So we trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.